morning. And An empty granary doesn't need a roof. In manure, anything grows. Today we continue our series on Proverbs. As we approach scripture, it's always important to know what kind of a text we are reading. The book of Proverbs is a particular genre of wisdom literature and is common in many cultures. Typically, a proverb is a piece of wisdom expressed through a brief sentence, handed down from generation to generation. Life is complex, and sometimes we need a quick and memorable wisdom to guide us, like Mennonite Low German Proverbs that are developed from a common ethos in a particular context. For Mennonite Proverbs, the context is often agriculture, the four seasons, life and work, because we value hard and smart work. Our experience as a people, like the Israelites, includes many challenges, travels, tragedies, accomplishments, and so Proverbs becomes like a well-worn path. Our experience becomes formulated wisdom. When we lived in Central Asia, we quickly realized that Proverbs are used by every people around the world and are a window into their values and culture. In Uzbekistan, they say, If a guest walks in the door, meat comes through the floor. This proverb highlights their cultural value for guests and how Allah will provide for important work like hospitality. If a woman is not sly as a fox, she's as useless as a rag. This proverb shows both the importance of women, but also a commentary on the obvious power imbalances women dealt with in that culture. Sometimes we heard proverbs that showed cultural values directly opposite to our Western values. In Chinese culture, they have a proverb that states, The nail that sticks up gets knocked down. The value behind this proverb is in direct contrast to the one in the West saying, The squeaky wheel gets the grease. As we read through the book of Proverbs, we learn about the values of God's people. What is the culture that God's people are meant to develop? Stressed over and over again in the book of Proverbs, we see values of seeking wisdom, concern for the poor, faithful, careful living, and healthy relationships. The book of Proverbs is structured in two sections. The first nine chapters are longer speeches, building up the importance of seeking wisdom. The second part consists of collections of short sayings. There are reasons why Proverbs consist of brief sentences. So they can be repeatable. Proverbs are often rhythmic and easy to repeat oneself and to others. This provides the community a common way to communicate about life that is easy to spread, while providing the next generation on-ramps to important life understanding. So they can be relatable. Proverbs often refer to experiences that most people know and can relate to. They draw conclusions that most people would have drawn, but in a small creative nugget that offers just the right play on words. It feels like common sense, but a little more. So they can be reliable. The short, punchy style of Proverbs enables it to be passed on easily so that the meaning and purpose is carried between listeners. After hearing a proverb a couple times, the brain makes connections that this is a trustworthy saying because it makes sense in their context and comes from more than just one person. Proverbs may have simple sentence structures, but they can carry centuries of wisdom that answer difficult life questions for a specific environment. Some of us have 20 years of life experience. Some have 70 years experience. 
Proverbs carries centuries of experience. These are, the, these are sayings that have become popularly accepted as truth. Often just citing one proverb is enough to finish a discussion. We often saw that in Uzbekistan. I would be sitting at tables with women and somebody would cite a proverb and then, ah, oh, they all agree and this is what we think together. As we consider what Proverbs are, we also need to remind ourselves what the book of Proverbs is not. These are not commands we can lift out of context and apply literally to our current decisions about finances or parenting. But as we immerse ourselves in their teaching, we get a picture of wisdom and right living. They're also not written as commands for all people at all times. As we look at the beginnings of several of the chapters, we see, my son, listen. These may have been written from a father to a son, and many of the Proverbs do focus on family relationships. They may also be given in the context of the wisdom teacher to their young disciples. Tremper Longman writes that to read the book of Proverbs correctly, we must understand that the audience for these teachings is the young male. When I first heard this explanation, so much of the Proverbs made more sense. For example, many women have been discouraged by a mishandling of Proverbs 31, as though it was another list of to-dos for exhausted mothers. Rather, it's meant to give a vision to young men, 12-year-old boys or, and older, of what kind of woman to look for as an answer to the warnings in earlier chapters. This style of interpretation doesn't mean Proverbs isn't valuable for all of us, but is possibly applicable in different kinds of ways. One application for mature folks could be the importance of finding ways to pass on wisdom for the next generation. The book of Proverbs is also not a list of promises in the way that some people refer to that idea. Reading Proverbs could get discouraged. Do evil people always get punished? Is there e everyone who walks in wisdom always safe? The writers of the Proverbs are well aware that these aren't promises for all time. Rather, they are sayings that depict, depict truth, creating a picture of what wisdom, right living, and concern for others generally looks like. Last week, we looked at chapter one of Proverbs, which ends with a speech pointing out the dangers of being foolish, eating bitter fruit, choking on their schemes, death and destruction. This week, we read chapter two of Proverbs, which is a speech that in the original language seems to be one long sentence. I'll be reading Proverbs chapter two, verses one to 11 from the NASB. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From, him, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he watches over the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness, justice, and integrity in every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be delightful to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Let's walk through this verse by verse. My son... If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. The teacher here wants the son to receive his words. 
This reminds me of what we do with children. Before they're mature enough to act appropriately, we script their behavior for them. Now it's time to brush your teeth, say thank you, don't touch that. The Proverbs are a form of scripting for right living. How much more peaceful we feel as parents when our little ones are listening to our instructions and responding to them. We know we won't always be around for our kids, but we want to build habits or well-worn paths so that when they're not with us, these behaviors are remembered or even acted about, upon without having to think about it. I'll read that again. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Verse 2. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. Or in some translations, tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. But what is wisdom? The dictionary describes it as the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. What does that actually mean and how is it developed? I love learning about the process of character development by understanding how God has designed our brains and our minds to work. Developmental psychology describes the process of growing wisdom as the fruit of something called integration. It comes out of the ability to see two things, two possibilities, and to be able to choose between them. This isn't automatic, but it is a process of maturity. There's something called the orthogenetic principle, describing this gradual process of the separate parts of ourselves coming together as we mature. When babies are first born, they can see only out of one eye at a time, and then at about 10 months old, they can start to see out of both, which enables depth perception. The same process for both sides of the brain, using only one side at a time, and then the development of the corpus callosum connecting both sides of the brain. After biological integration cognitive, starting to think two different things can be true at the same time. If all goes well and the growing child is well supported with caring relationships, then comes emotional integration and the ability to feel two emotions at the same time. To be able to feel both angry and caring about the other person enables not fighting back. Feeling frustrated and also caring looks like patience and so on. Our daughter was a little young, Gemma was a little younger than most kids when she began to be able to do this. She was almost five and she, she came to me, she's like, can we go talk in your bedroom alone? And we got in there, she's like, I'm so frustrated with the boys, but I didn't want them to have to hear me say so. This mixing of emotions is the base of good character, and it's a developed capacity. However, not all people develop it. We all grow older, but we don't all grow up. We all know adults who don't mix or integrate well. In our society, unfortunately, we even tend to put people into leadership who seem to know their mind, but often it can just mean they don't actually have the maturity to see or think about more than one perspective. Based on this understanding of integration, true wisdom means you can see and feel more than one side of an issue and then be able to use judgment to choose well. Tune your ear to wisdom refers to the way these ancient wisdom traditions supported this integrated thinking, practicing thinking from two different perspectives. An example of this is in Proverbs 26 verses four to five. Don't answer the fool or you'll become foolish. Be sure to answer the fool, or they'll think they're wise. The wise might not always look so sure of themselves, but the internal conflict of seeing two possible paths is important for making a truly wise judgment. God has designed our minds to grow in wisdom,
But this growth re process requires safety, caring relationships, and gradual maturity. Verse 3. For if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding... Since this is written to a son who is probably crying and raising his voice for little things not so long ago, the father desires him to take the next step in maturity by crying out for wisdom and pursuing it actively. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Back to the teenage boy. We have the picture of a son asking for cash, but the father asking him to make those requests for wisdom. Here the father increases the urgency. It's an encouragement to take action. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. This verse points to the way wisdom and relationship with God are deeply entwined. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. If this seems like circular reasoning, it is. Seek wisdom and you'll find God. Find God and you'll gain wisdom. Emphasizing again the deep connection between wisdom and God. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Stores up, preparing for them. Like a parent keeps a pantry full of provisions. The Lord has stored up wisdom. Here is also the idea that wisdom brings protection like a shield. This common sense is like an inner power that protects from problems. Young men may be attracted to the idea of having a shield available to use. The word here for integrity relates to the in word for integration I mentioned earlier. It carries the meaning of wholeness and being undivided. I'll read that again. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity. Verse 8, guarding the paths of justice, and he watches over the way of all his godly ones. The theme of paths shows up throughout this speech. The word used for path in the first part of this verse refers to a life journey and has connotations of wandering. It's not about a destination, but a process of that path. God is protecting the life journey of his people. He gives a shield, but he is also guarding double protection. Verse 9, then you will discern righteousness, justice, and integrity, and every good path. Path, the word for path used here refers to the kind of path made by cattle walking the same way repeatedly. This is like grooved tracks made from habits of walking the same way. The father is hoping here for his son to walk in that way that become habits of righteousness. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be delightful to your soul. Here wisdom has entered the heart and become an integral part of their character. This is that beautiful maturity where wisdom can be the natural response to life situations. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. The term here for watch has meanings of preserving and taking care of in all ways, morally and physically. In the second part of this couplet, the term guard again refers to shielding something very precious. So we have here a picture of a father or a wisdom teacher imploring their son or their young disciples to walk in those well-worn paths of wisdom to be kept safe this isn't a picture of angry admonition but of deep care with the hope of passing on this special protection that will last because it has become truly part of them an implicit aspect of this speech is that choice is given this is not just a set of commands but an invitation to participate in the search for wisdom and the decisions of good judgment 
already earlier when given the law, even though those were commands and detailed expectations. In Deuteronomy 30, God described giving, describes giving the law to his people in the form of a choice and in the context of relationship with him. Proverbs 2 is an invitation to fully participate in the walking of this way of wisdom, to make real choices and interact with life to the fullest. This invitation is to walk a full and wise life and at the same time to a relationship with God who would also respond with the riches of wisdom and care. As Anabaptists, we read all the scripture with the view of Jesus in mind. How do we see Jesus in this picture from Proverbs 2 of wisdom teaching and seeking his path? Jesus himself was that 12-year-old boy seeking wisdom in his father's house. His posture of asking questions of the wisdom teachers is the example of the son the speaker in Proverbs 2 is entreating boys to be. Jesus himself was a wisdom teacher among his people. He spent his time discipling, speaking, and teaching to the crowds. His words were reliable, relatable, and repeatable. Jesus himself is wisdom personified. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not only is Jesus the wise one for us to learn from, he describes himself as the very path for us to walk. He is our path, the path that keeps us safe, protects us, and leads us to abundant life. Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. In John 16, Jesus described how the Holy Spirit would be the one to guide us into all truth. With the Holy Spirit living in and among us, we have wisdom dwelling in us and guiding us. This is a new kind of maturity. We no longer need to rely on these simple sayings in our head to guide us. Like Jason talked about, we have a well-worn path. It's easy. And as we grow in maturity, it might get boring. And so with wisdom, with the spirit, we can get off the path and keep knowing where we're supposed to be going, even when we're in the wilderness. The Proverbs were kind of scripting, a well-worn path pointing us to recognize wisdom when we find it and pointing to Jesus. Now the richness of the relationship we have with Jesus the way and his spirit indwelling us enables us to walk with wisdom and to live rightly in our world.